Bulavanaka and warm Pacific greetings. My name is Liam Taylor, Communications Officer at the Australia Pacific Security College. On this special episode of the Pacific Wayfinder, we join you from Denarau, Fiji, at the inaugural Pacific Regional Law Enforcement Conference. The conference has brought together law enforcement officials, regional agencies and academics to discuss the growing prevalence of transnational and organised crime in the Pacific and to strengthen our regional network to combat these trends. I'm joined today by two delegates of the conference, Distinguished Professor Stephen Matuva of the University of Canterbury and Mr Mathanawe, Chief Executive Officer of the Pacific Disability Forum. Welcome to you both. Our intention today is to draw on the conversations and emerging themes coming out of the conference so far. Can I ask both of you how you have found the conference? Well, very interesting indeed, with different uh, perceptions, different reflections and narratives of where the uh, delegates are coming from, from the police, from immigration, from uh, uh, customs and academia, and other regional agencies, international agencies. So interesting to see how they all synthesize the ideas, come together and share and explore options, explore ways in which they can work together, ways in which they can uh, look for new innovative ways of addressing transnational crime. Also, uh, this, this is the first time I've attended such a uh, conference. Well, it is an inaugural conference, uh, like uh, Professor Natuba, Ratuba mentioned. The um, time together these different uh, stakeholders, um, the law enforcement agencies, and, um, and, and, and the rest of us to, I think, the interesting uh, theme uh, around you know, strengthening the network to beat the network. And, and I think um, it does call for... Uh, for a, a meeting with, uh, with a wide range of stakeholders as this. I'd like to start by asking you both how you define security. At the Law Enforcement Conference, we've been hearing a lot about transnational crime and much about the Bori Declaration and the 2050 Blue Pacific Strategy. But what does this actually mean for local communities? Well, at different levels at which uh, security is defined, um, whether it's to do with geopolitical security, uh, geopolitical and strategic security, uh, which is normally uh, something which the state, uh, you know, looks at. And then you have human security, which is to do with uh, people's livelihood, people's vulnerabilities, people's uh, way of, of, of survival in everyday life. So uh, all these things are interconnected because political security, economic, psychological, cultural well-being and security are very much interconnected with each other. And I think in the Pacific, it's very important to see where the connections are. It's not just political, it's just not, not only just strategic or military, but in fact, um, uh, security has to do with our community life, has to do with our well-being, has to do with how we connect with each other, has to do with sustaining our identity and who we are. Very, very interesting to be following uh, Professor Atuba's um, views on, on even on this word, uh, security. Uh, in fact, uh, this, mo- this morning, uh, the session this morning, I, I thought about that word too. Uh, what is security? And for uh, for us that 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 work uh, with uh, with NGOs, with the people outside law enforcement agencies, security uh, being safe. Security meaning making sure there's food on the table. Security meaning that 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 you know, your 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 family are, are fine, are safe. So and, and I think in, in that context, and I really appreciate. Uh, 
what uh, Professor Rattuba is sharing and the angle he's coming from, a holistic view of what security is and what it should be. So we heard today about this idea that we wanted to build preventative resilience to transnational crime. We needed to work on the root causes at a community level, such as education, access to jobs and health services. Can you both describe the challenges that communities face in meeting and providing these services? I think the 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 the, the essence of 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 what what was again was shared this morning. I commend the professor to mention, and uh, which I did also ask the the whole of community, the whole of society approach. Um, and I, for me, as um, uh, someone who has a disability and working with uh, a person with disabilities, and often an organization that advocate for the recognition, the realization of rights of the marginalized groups. Uh, wh- what is our take? Uh, what is our role in this in this conversation? Do we have a role to play? Uh, do, do we need to know about it? So then I think the, the bringing it to that level and, and, and making sure that we are part of it and you know, the whole, you know, take it, taking it broadly, the, 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 the whole issue, issue the, 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 almost like the slogan of the, of the sustainable development goals, even in the, in the, the 2050 um, agenda for, for, the, for the Pacific, um, the, the Blue Pacific continent, it talks about inclusion, inclusive. SDG refers to leaving no one behind. So I think it, it is it is really it is really about a whole of society or community approach, and making sure that we have uh, we we are working towards the you know, a safer, a more secure place in every sense of the word, every sense of the word, and and and, and that we all have a role to play. And I think the key thing to that I learned that I also learned this morning. Uh, Pro- Professor Atuba here is the is about changing the mindset, uh, changing the mindset, uh, the issue around vulnerability, and getting way out of it sometimes through criminal activities. But how do you t- frame the narrative, make sure that it's not addressed positively and impacting impacting positive changes? Professor Atuba, can you expand on that idea of how we? have that community approach to establishing a secure Pacific? Yeah, one thing about Pacific society, it's like any other society, um, is to do with uh, the way in which people are connected in different ways, through kinship, through uh, traditional indigenous uh, cultural connections, and uh, and making use of those connections, making use of those uh, traditional institutions is very, very important because it's something which people are familiar with, people grow up with. It will uh, there's the potential to provide that space for, for comfort, that space f- to address some of the issues of uh, uh, identity, for instance, and, uh, and, and marginalization of people and empowerment. And often when people become disempowered, when people become isolated from others uh, by virtue of uh, the uh, circumstances they find themselves in, particularly the young people of today, they find themselves online all the time in the cyberspace. They get alienated from real human beings, that they get alienated, alienated from their relatives, from their kinship, from their cultures. That's when people become disorientated and become uh, lost in this whirlwind of uh, you know, transformation that we're looking at today. So it's important that uh, communities uh, uh, should play a very vital role in providing that comfort, providing that support system, economic support system, cultural support system, and uh, 
are the means of uh, getting them to be part of the society. Professor Rituva, can you connect that idea of building a, re a more resilient community by um, approaching it in a specific way of having a community-centered um, approach to building community resilience against transnational crime? Uh, yeah, resilience has to do with the sustainability of, um, uh, of life uh, and how you respond to calamities that you face. And uh, certainly, specific cultures over the years have built up resilience, whether to do with climate change, whether to do with uh, um, very social, economic, and political turmoil in the past. So they've built up resilient mechanisms through which they respond to this. And uh, so, um, yeah, it's a way of, uh, if we can use the same mechanisms to address issues of transnational crime, uh, sustainability of life, sustainability of uh, individual connections with each other, is to make sure that transnational crime does not impinge on infiltrate and transform their communities in very in negative ways. The chances are there all the time, and uh, the circumstances are there all the time. It's a way in which you identify where the threats are and making sure that uh, people are able to respond to that collectively as a group. Mr. Mathanawa, I'd like to ask you to consider what kinds of reforms you think we need to see within security sector agencies in the Pacific to drive and increase inclusivity and access for people living with a disability. I am hoping you might also be able to talk about implications and considerations that people working in the Pacific security sector should have in their interactions with people with compromised mental health. Yeah, I think, I think it's, really, it's really about, about you know, being proactive. Uh, a system that is proactive, that is not forward-looking, Rather than than the reactive and you no know, marginalized marginalizing people, uh, we're dealing with people. We're dealing with who have feelings, who have emotions, who have uh, what Professor Tu mentioned earlier, uh, who, who who come from community. They have uh, the uh, traditions, the cultures, and, and and I think if we take it that way, and then uh, and then ensure that that you know the you know just addressing a problem that's in front of you no and understanding the no and understanding and unpacking why why those things happen why crimes are, are happening and and then uh, because it could be a whole no no whole notion of, of um, changing the, the the mindset the paradigm shift and then I think it does probably call for that uh, right, not, not just being not just reacting not just reacting but but be, be proactive. And then what is the community role in this? How do we include and hear the voices of everybody? Everybody, the, the people with disabilities, the marginalized groups. Uh, how, how, what, what, what's, their view, what's their take on how we can improve the systems? So I, I, and even for the, 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 the law enforcement agencies, so I think the, it, it's, it's not just about the stick all the time. Where, where's the carrot in this? And, and how do we build a, you mentioned earlier, resilience? How, how we build a resilient community that non, that turn, turn, turn the, 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 the problem on its head uh, instead of focusing on the problem? Yeah, something that really came out, come, came out quite uh, strongly, at least in the, 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 the session that I attended in the forum, the recent Brazilian Forum Leaders uh, meeting, is this word co-create, co-creation. What are these 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 issues? What are the uh, the proactive being proactive about co-creation? 
of 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 solutions that that can address this this issue that uh, that that this transnational crime or this thing because I think there there are there are solutions that can that we can work together, everybody, community, um, uh, response with with the law enforcement agencies. As I said earlier, not just the stick. Let's focus also on the carrot and and how we can strengthen the system, and make the system resilient, and then and, and then I think the the strength-based approach in in our custom because there are things in our customs we are that's what's been shared also here there are there are there are positive um, th- things in our customs our traditions in our culture uh, in, in the Pacific that we need to draw on to you know, to, to kind of turn the corner kind of thing with with with, with, uh, with transnational crime and for them to say there's there's another way there's another way of 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 doing things and not just is criminal activities. Professor Atuva, in your presentation today, you're talking about the spectrum between legal actions and crimes. And you've talked to us previously about the spectrum of harms the transnational crime causes the Pacific. Um, could you elaborate on those ideas? Two things. One is uh, um, increasingly it's very difficult to draw the line between what is a legitimate um, business, as it were, le- legitimate economy, and transnational crime economy, because they are morphed into each other in very, very complex ways, from the political level, even um, you know within the law enforcement agencies, uh, they uh, uh, within the community, and uh, various other institutions, whether it's to do with uh, uh, the uh, the accountants, the the lawyers, the bankers, they're all part of the way in which money laundering takes place. So uh, that's one of the challenges uh, in terms of uh, uh, dealing with uh, um, with the law enforcement agents, w- w- dealing with uh, transnational crime today. But so the spectrum of crime uh, is quite complex. Uh, the different types of uh, criminal activities and different types of harm as well. Uh, some are direct, physical. Some are social. Some are economic. Some are political. Some are long term. Some are short term. Uh, then and also some are more explicit. Some are more implicit implicit in the sense that you can't see it, but you can probably feel it in some way or other. And for instance, um, if uh, it's been found uh, in various parts of the world, when you, uh, um, when a lot of uh, illicit money is poured into a community for, for property, for instance, and pushes up the property value and the price of houses and all those things, that impacts when people want to buy houses uh, especially the first homeowners. It happened in New Zealand, happening in Australia, in uh, uh, to some degree in Fiji as well. There's a lot of uh, overseas money coming in, and just through cash and it's buy, buy, buy. So the red flags all over the place. So uh, yeah. So and then you have the you know the, the victims of drug dealing and the victims of different types of crime associated with transnational crime. So the whole spectrum of them, and uh, therefore the way we address them should also be whole spectrum of uh, responsibilities, of strategies. As uh, I mentioned earlier by my colleague, um, the co-creation of uh, not only the way we think about uh, these kinds of crime and also the way we respond to that, but uh, also co-creation in terms of uh, the way institutions um, connect with society so that it has to be a multi-layered interdisciplinary um, inter-stakeholder um, 
inter-institutional arrangement and an engagement. Uh, that's the only way forward. Uh, it has to be a whole society uh, approach, as uh, my colleague has mentioned. Mr. Mathanawe, could you um, speak and reflect on the the main harms you see transnational crime having in Pacific communities, especially Pacific um, people who have a lived experience of disability? Yes. Um, the the now how we perceive it as probably in 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 a in a in our society uh, probably at the if you like at the bottom rung or the pecking order at the, at the bottom for for those who are those 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 who are often well sometimes you think that we it does not affect us we as the disability community and I I I. I, I I often relate my experience to to my own village, and then how yeah, the, the, the the criminal activities do happen there. They do um, drugs and plant and sell, um, and, and and then you know how, how you how does that affect you as an as an individual, as a person with disability? And for me, it does affect me. Um, and and how do you? How do you relate that to your, your your children, your family, community, and you you want to to focus on the on on the good things and 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 then try to get them away from 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 doing that? So so uh, I think it, it is it it, it it is about and thinking about this today. It's about bringing up for the the, the change and. I think it's a, a lot of education. It's it's really, really as I said earlier, it's about, it's about a, a shifting paradigm, and it's uh, an, it, it start with the family, start with the home, start with the with the, the parents and the, and the children, and the community, and and, and I think it, it's it, it it has to start that way. That will also include those of us, uh, the, the, even include the disability community. Children, young young people, and, and then you know, develop develop you know, a, a way of thinking that that is not the right way of doing things. That's not the right way of making a living. You just have to work hard. Either. <laughs> you go plant, but plant the right thing. And, you know, it, I think it is, it's the framing of those things, and it needs to start uh, start somewhere and uh, start something. I think. It, 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 it will take time, but it has to start. It has to happen. Yeah. Professor Tuva, I'd like to ask you now to reflect on this knowledge crime that you spoke about at the conference today. I'm hoping you can provide some ideas for how we can collectively protect intellectual property and knowledge of Indigenous culture, but at the same time support its potential driver for economic empowerment. Well, certainly uh, a lot of the uh, kind of global economic global economic expansion have to do with knowledge anyway knowledge economy so that's why it's a target for big corporations and also for criminal activities uh, and uh, one of the ways in which we can address the issue is first of all identify who's responsible who's doing it those of us working in universities uh, we ourselves we, we have to look at ourselves and the kind of practices that we do universities have been at the forefront of uh, of biopiracy, where they go out, paid for by companies, researchers are paid for by companies to go out and extract 
uh, all sorts of things, whether it's to do with abstract knowledge or to do with uh, uh, plant material, uh, which have always been used by uh, indigenous communities, whether it's to do for med medicinal purposes and for other purposes. And these are then taken, extracted, taken, um, um, and isolated, and analyzed. And Eureka, there's something here that we can use uh, for pharmaceutical products. And uh, then it's patent, and then it's then uh, uh, sold, uh, you know, in the form of drugs and other other things. And there are different other ways, particularly now with uh, with the cyber knowledge, which is growing all the time. The way you can, you can steal knowledge from a particular group of researchers uh, and then sell them, or from the country and then sell them. Um, I mean, some of the big tech companies are already doing that. They capture your identity and then they sell them for money. It's very unethical. It's not morally right, but they still do it. But because the law of um, neoliberal capitalist investment says that as long as you're making profit, it's fine. Yeah, And they, they follow that. Of course, they break all kinds of ethical uh, standards. So we have to identify who's doing what. It's not easy because uh, it's easy to f find out who's stealing an apple, then you chase after the thief. But when you steal knowledge, it's not easy because it's something which you cannot touch. You can only identify institutions and people who do those things. And then, uh, so there are different ways over the years in which uh, this can be addressed. So one is identify who's doing it and for what purpose, and how can those institutions involved uh, be part of the process of addressing the issue. And one of the, the consequences of uh, uh, intellectual crime, of uh, um, stealing uh, knowledge, for instance, is that you deprive a community of its cultural heritage. Like I mentioned today that something like um, almost 70% of uh, pharmaceutical products in the market are actually taken by a pirate stolen from these communities who have lived with the medicinal knowledge for a long time, whether it's, to do, whether it's from the jungles of Africa or from the jungles of, uh, of, uh, of uh, South America, including the Pacific, including Kava and in Coconut, and all these things have been patented already by companies. We don't know it. Uh, so the owners were not asked. So it's basically theft. So all these things are happening. So corporations have to be accountable. We have to identify corporations who do it and uh, researchers, the universities and institutions who are employed and paid for to carry out all these things. And uh, also the end market users. So look at the whole process. Uh, at what point do we say, okay, we address it here. Uh, but it appears that we have to address it at different points, at the beginning and in the end as well. I'm conscious of time, but um, for a final question to you both, can you outline the work we need to do in bridging the ideals of the Bowie Declaration across both traditional and existential threats such as climate and transnational crime and how that work can be contributed and owned by the local communities living in the Pacific? Um, consultation, let's talk to the communities, the people in the, in the villages, in the islands, in the, across the different Pacific uh, of the Forum Island, Forum member countries, and then work out how best to do this of getting peace and, 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 and also security and and because it does each at all level as uh, has been shared uh, already uh, it is and, and if, if the solution is to be found at all levels then we need to get 
the engagement. We need to involve the different levels um, for for that to be for for that for that to address this issue. It is it is not enough just to be a regional response. We need to link the regional to the national and to the local, and each of those different levels will require require different response and involve different groups, different people, uh, there are different, yeah, different levels of community. So I think together, maybe that way uh, um, for, for, for the board declaration to be to be realized, having that opportunity and then couch it in such a way that, that people own it, have a sense of ownership so that they know that there is something that they own that they also commit to, towards uh, its uh, implementation and uh, fulfillment. The board declaration is uh, just a political statement. I think what's important is to go beyond the political narrative and then begin to look for ways and means of addressing transnational crime. The board declaration also looks at, in the beginning, uh, the first paragraph looks at the, um, identifies the climate change as the uh, most significant security threat in the Pacific. Now, that is it's important. Um, there has to be some teeth in that as well. So that's why I was happy with the last board forum meeting where they um, um, decided to seek the legal opinion of the International uh, Court of Justice where um, to determine the, 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 uh, the criminal nature of, 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 um, um, of environmental and climate related activities. So, uh, which is uh, a way of making sure that we move forward in terms of uh, addressing the issue of climate change in the Pacific. When you criminalize particular activities like big corporations and the development projects and how they destroy the environment, which worsens the climate um, impact on people and, uh, and how they do it, either sometimes they do it legally, sometimes illegally, it doesn't really matter. Uh, if it's done legally, then legislations have to be changed to make sure it doesn't repeat itself. But some countries have um, addressed the, the, the issue in particular ways to ensure that the board declaration uh, can be seen as something which has teeth. So the board declaration itself uh, may not have it, but there has to be some supporting uh, declarations, supporting mechanisms in terms of uh, um, regional agreements and so forth which can support some of those broad political narratives which are contained in the board declaration. Well, thank you so much to you both for joining us today on the Pacific Wayfinder. Um, it has been great not only hearing your insights today, but throughout the conference. Um, so thank you, Vinaka. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pacific Wayfinder podcast. You can find more podcasts and other material from the Australia Pacific Security College on our website, pacificsecurity.net. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.